Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You are listening to the seventh of our Epiphany series, The Practices of Jesus, Interruptions, by Rev. Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading this morning is from Luke chapter 8, Luke 8, verses 40 through 56. That's found on page 1609 in your pew Bibles. And for those of you who are visiting today, and I see a number of you here, um, we're in the middle of a series called The Practices of Jesus. And it's based on the contention, which is, I think, widely accepted, that it is our practices and our habits that form us, okay? The things we do every day, the things we do every week, the things we do every year, year after year, day after day, they have a powerful formative effect on us. So we're looking at Jesus' practices. What are the things that Jesus did every day, every week, every year? And today's practice is found in our passage, starting at verse 40 of chapter 8. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. And she came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are all crowding around and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's mother and father. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. And her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to go get her something to eat. Her parents were astonished but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, let's start out this sermon with a couple of hypothetical situations, two hypothetical situations. I want you to think what your reaction would be in these situations. So situation one. You just had a really, really busy week. You're exhausted. It's Friday night. And you decide that you're going to spend the Friday evening watching a nice movie. So you've settled down on your couch. 
You pulled your favorite blanket over you. You got your popcorn there. You got your drink and range. You've got the movie chosen, and you're about to push play on Netflix when your phone rings. And it's your neighbor from down the street who's going through yet another one of her crises. You can see it on the caller ID. How do you feel in that moment about picking up that call? Situation one. Situation two, you are 17 years old. Remember that? You're going to go out with your friends. You're going to spend a great Friday night with your friends. You're going to go to the high school football game, and before that, you're all going to go out to have pizza together. And you're excited about it, and you're just putting on your shoes to walk out the door, and then your mom speaks up. Honey, she says, you said you were going to mow grandma's lawn by Saturday morning. Have you mowed grandma's lawn? Have you done that yet, honey? How do you feel about your mother's words? Do you feel a rush of thanksgiving for your mother's gentle reminder? <laughs> or do you feel something else? I think it's fair to say that in both of these situations, most of us would be annoyed. Most of us would not like the interruption. Now, if that's how you feel or we would feel in that kind of situation, imagine how Jairus felt. Because he was dealing with something a lot more important than a football game. His 12-year-old daughter, his only daughter, was on the edge of death. His beautiful brown-eyed girl, the joy of his life. She was a wonderful, open, giving child. Even though she was 12, sometimes when they walked along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, she would still reach out to take his hand. Just a week ago, the whole house had been filled with the sound of her laughter. But now this fever had come on, and now the whole house was filled with the sound of her 12-year-old body struggling for a breath. He had all the doctors in, and they all came out of her room with that look on their face that doctors have when there's nothing more they can do. And so when he heard Jesus was in town, what do you think he did? He ran. He ran as fast as his middle-aged legs would carry him, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And he said, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, 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 my daughter, please. And Jesus says, okay. And he starts to go with him. And Jairus jumps up, and he starts pushing through the crowd, and he's going absolutely as fast as he dares through the crowd. His heart is pounding. His mouth is dry. Right this way, Jesus, just a little further. Come on, Jesus, let's go. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops. All of a sudden, they're not going anywhere. Jesus stops, and he's searching the crowd. Who touched me? Who touched me? Someone in this huge crowd has apparently jostled Jesus, and for some reason, he's insisting on finding this person. How do you think Jairus felt in that moment? A little annoyed? Or way beyond that? Now, Scripture admittedly does not tell us how Jairus felt, but it does tell us how Peter felt. How did Peter felt? Peter was annoyed. Jesus, this is a big crowd. There are people all around you. Please, you've been bumped a hundred times. Let's keep going. This is important. And if Peter and Jairus were annoyed at Jesus' interruption and, start, and stopping along the road to his house, imagine how they felt when they realized the person for whom he had stopped. 
Let's compare for a moment, because I think it's important, the two sick people in this passage. Okay, on the one hand, you have Jairus' daughter, a critically ill child, an enormously sympathetic person. When we know that an innocent child is critically ill, right, our hearts go out to that person, as they should, right? That, that cuts us to the heart when a kid is that sick. So she's sympathetic. And not only is she sympathetic, she's important. Her dad is the head of the synagogue, right? So everybody in town would have known her. Everybody in town would have known this family and cared about how things went for her. So this would have been priority 1A for everybody in this crowd. What about the woman for whom Jesus stops? Is she important? Is she critically ill? Neither of those things. The Bible says she has a flow of blood, which is a sort of a nice way of saying she has a menstrual issue. So she's always bleeding. And what that means in that society is that she is perpetually unclean, right? She's always unclean. So if you were walking into a crowd and you bumped into this woman, you would be unclean. You'd have to go home, you'd have to wash all your clothes, you'd have to wash yourself, and you wouldn't be able to touch anyone else until evening. It would be extremely inconvenient. Well, if you, everyone knows this woman is always unclean, how do you think they treated her? They weren't walking up to her and hugging her, right? They were avoiding her. She's the kind of person that if you saw her coming down your side of the street, you'd probably go to the other side just to be safe. She would have been an outcast. She would have been a nobody. And I think you can see in our text that she has internalized other people's opinions of her. She thinks of herself as a nobody. Why do I say that? Most people, when they need help from Jesus, what do they do? They come right up to him and ask, what does she do? She sneaks up behind and touches him because she doesn't want anyone to see her, or especially to know that she's touching them. And Jesus has to ask, not once, but twice, who touched me, who touched me? And it's only when she knows that she will be discovered. Text says that. Only when she knows that she can't go unnoticed does she finally come out trembling to admit what she did, trembling because she's so sure that Jesus will be furious as everyone else is when she touches them. On the one hand, you have Jairus' daughter, important, sympathetic, critically ill. On the other hand, you have this woman who is a nobody with a chronic condition. And yet, Jesus stops. He stops for this nobody and he doesn't just stop, he turns his face towards her and spends time with her. She ends up, probably because he asks, telling her whole story, her sickness and how she was suddenly healed, right? It says that right in the text. She sits there and tells him her story. Then Jesus reaches out, calls her daughter, and says, go in peace. And an amazingly kind thing Jesus does. In the middle of this important mission that everybody else wants him to do, Jesus interrupts and stops and pays attention to this marginalized nobody. And this isn't just something Jesus does once. This is a practice of Jesus. Jesus was constantly stopping in the middle of things that were really important to pay attention to the marginal, to the needy, to the outsider, so that he could bless them. Luke 4. He's preaching at Capernaum. What could be more important than preaching? took a while for you guys to catch on to that. 
Maybe you guys had some other answers to that question. I don't know. So Luke 4, he's, he's in the middle of a sermon. What could be more important? I think it's really important. All of a sudden, the local lunatic, a demon-possessed man, starts to make an uproar. Jesus stops. He heals him, blesses him. Luke 5, he's in the middle of another sermon, this time in someone's house. All of a sudden, there's a paralyzed man coming down through the roof. What does Jesus do? He stops, heals him, and forgives his sins. Luke chapter 7, Jesus had a really important meal with some high-level Pharisees when a woman comes in, falls at his feet, and starts bathing him in perfume. What does Jesus do? The people in the room want Jesus to get rid of her. Jesus stops, blesses her, and says, my daughter, go in peace. Later, of course, it's children. Children come to Jesus. The disciples say, go on, kids, get out of here. Scram, you're not wanted. The master's busy. Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. He blesses them. And in Matthew 14... Jesus and his disciples are on their way to a personal retreat. They're sailing across the Sea of Galilee. They're tired. They're looking to get away. They arrive at this isolated place. And what do they find? 5,000 people. 5,000 people saying, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, please, please. And you know what Jesus does. He stops. And he spends the whole day healing people. And at night, he feeds every last one of them. All these interruptions, all of them coming when Jesus is in the middle of something really, really important, most of these interruptions coming from people on the margins, people who are needy, people who don't count for very much. Every single time Jesus stops what he's doing and he blesses and he heals and he loves. We began this sermon are those hypothetical situations which were meant to illustrate why we don't like being interrupted, why when something interrupts us, we chafe. And the reason we don't like to be interrupted is because we like to be masters of our time. We're taught to be masters of our time. This is my time, you gotta manage your time, and you gotta be good schedulers of your time, and, and so that's what we do. Every morning we get up and we plot out our day, like a path. Maybe we write a to-do list or we enter it into our phone or whatever we do. In our minds, we say, this is what I'm going to do and this is when I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this at 8, I'm going to do this at 9, I'm going to do this at 10. We all do this to varying degrees. If you're a, a type A, goal-oriented person, you do this at a high degree. Are there any goal-oriented type A personalities in this room this morning? Just a few. And our society rewards us for doing this, right? For planning and for being efficient, for getting things done in good order. Blessed are the efficient, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the punctual, for they shall be called district managers and vice presidents. We know this, right? Efficiency, productivity, that's the cornerstone of business these days. And it's good stuff. And interruptions, of course, are the enemy of efficiency, the enemy of productivity. And so we're taught to push them away. But while planning is better than chaos, and efficiency is better than sloth, when we watch Jesus here, I think it's pretty clear that when he gave the great commandment, which is the one that all the law and the prophets are based on, the great commandment was not 
calling you to plan. It was calling you to love. The great commandment does not call us to be efficient. The great commandment calls us to love the people who come into our life every single day. And while we are taught to think of our time as our own, Scripture has a very different view of that subject. It's not our time. Our times are in the Lord's hands. I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Heidelberg Catechism. That ownership extends to our time. So go ahead, plan your days, be efficient as you can, but as you go, have your head up for the people whom God will push into your life. Be ready for the interruption of human beings, real human beings, whom God will send to you for you to love. Make your plans, but understand that maybe the most important thing you will do today will be to have that little conversation in the checkout line at Myers turn into a 20-minute heart-to-heart. That might be the most important thing in your day. That might be the most important thing in your whole month. Here's how Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it in his book, Life Together. We must be ready, he said, to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. We will be, God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. It is a strange fact that Christians, and even, and maybe especially ministers, frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they are doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's path. Sometimes your interruption is your work. There's one more thing I need to say about this passage, one more thing that struck me this week. And I'm going to frame that in the terms of a, of a quiz question. And a quiz question that if it had been asked to me uh, before I studied this week, I think I would have got wrong. If I had to stop you or put you on a quiz program two weeks ago and give you this Bible quiz, trivia quiz, if I had said to you, um, why did Jesus stop when he was on the way to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. Why did he stop? I think you would have answered, and I know I would have answered, he stopped to heal the woman with the flow of blood. Right? That's why he stopped, isn't it? No, it isn't. That's not why he stopped. That woman was healed already, right? Jesus knew as soon as he was touched that power had gone out of him and this woman was healed didn't stop for the healing. The healing was already done. Why, when the woman was healed, why didn't he say, okay, well, she's healed, she's fine, I'm just going to keep going here? Why did he stop? Jesus stopped because healing this woman's blood and her physical problems was not enough. He wanted to speak to her heart. Healing this woman's physical problems was really, really important to Jesus, but more important still was to speak a healing word to her lonely and shame-soaked heart. 
And he's so determined to speak to that heart that he persists, that he stops in the middle of this mission, that he persists, that he asks not once, but twice. And when he finally sees her, he looks her face to face, hears her whole story and says, my daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus was determined to speak to her heart. And when I realized that, when I realized that this was the real reason that Jesus stopped, I realized that I am an awful lot like this woman. I come to church every week. I say my prayers every morning. And, and often what I'm praying for is God's help on the physical level. That's the first thing I'm looking for, right? God, help me with the, the things I got to accomplish today and be with the people I love who are sick. And that's what I pray for for you guys too, right? I'm praying for the same thing. I know you're just like me, but what I, when I get here every week and what I know in my deep, what I really need is for Jesus to speak to my lonely and broken heart. That's why I come to this place every week. What about you? We come here and he interrupts whatever he's busy with and he speaks to you and me. The God, the Son of the Father, who sat at the right hand of God and had everything he ever could want, interrupted his reign and air and came down to earth to walk with us and to die for us. He comes to us week after week after week, and he says to you what he said to that woman and what I declare to you now. My son, my daughter, I died for you, you are beloved. Go in peace. Amen. Lord Jesus, we are continually in awe that you, the Lord of 100 billion galaxies, should turn your face towards us. We praise you for the testimony of your great love, which is not just a love that rebuilds this whole creation, which it does, but is also a love that speaks to the small needs and the dusty corners of our hearts. Thank you for speaking that word again to us this morning and send us out into your world with your peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.